Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daf Chavvav of Masechta Psachim, Daf 26. And yeah, for, uh, I'd say for most of the page we're really discussing, uh, continuing the, uh, the Machlokas at the end of the Daf yesterday between Abai and Rava about um, getting Hana'a without intention um, and if you can get away from it and what if you can't get away but you have intention to get ana so that's that sugya then at the end we get to um, a discussion about ovens and burning fires with um, shells of orla so that's today's daf there's some interesting stuff along the way let us begin on daf chaf vav amur aleph three lines from the top amur abaye minu Says Abaye, from where do I get this from? What did Abaye say? Abaye's opinion was that when you, so in this particular, so, whoa. It was a pretty interesting machlokas about what happens if you're just walking down the street and all of a sudden you like, let's say, smell some, a really good smell of a Vodazara. So you didn't intend to smell it, but it kind of came your way. Maybe you had kavan, maybe you're enjoying it, maybe you're not. So Abaye had been, had said it's mutter. Rav had said it's Osir. And the question is, in what context did, 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 do they argue? So we're, the, the last thing that we had said was that they argue in a case where um, you were, uh, what was it? You were unable to leave, right? Like you had to be in the place and you couldn't get out of there, but you had intention to get benefit from it. And uh, Abaye nonetheless said that according to Rabbi Yehuda, it would be permissible. Because Rebuta doesn't really care about your intention, um, and since you were in a place that you had to be there and you couldn't get out of it, therefore it would be acceptable. So, Amr Abai says, Abai min Aminala, how can I prove it to you? The Tanya, as we learn in Abaisa, Amr Olav Araban Yochanan ben Zakai. This is very, very interesting. That they said about Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai, Isn't that awesome? I love it when, you know, we can get a glimpse into people who Mamish lived during the time of the Beis HaMikdash. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the teacher of Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Eliezer, which trickles then down, of course, to Rabbi Akiva and then Rabbi Meir and so, you know, so on and so forth until us. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, they said about him that he would sit in the Beis HaMikdash and he would teach the halachis of uh, the Chagim, uh, so like the halachos of Pesach, 30 days before Pesach, let's say, and he would sit in the shade of the heichal, vidorish kolayom kulo, and, and, and give shear all day. So now, meaning he would sit in the temple courtyard, and the shade from like the sanctuary would be giving shade in the temple courtyard. Now, it was um, a situation of low efshar, right? A situation of he had to be there. He had to be teaching the people before the antif. So he had to be there, but umiskavin. Uh, Nonetheless, he, he was intent, you know, he was enjoying the shade of the Heichal. So, it says, So here we're talking about a situation where there was no choice. He had to be giving the shear. Um, and yet he was enjoying sitting the shade, in the shade of the Heichal Vashari. And it was permitted. So Abai says, you see, that a situation of when um, you had to be there, you had no choice, but you nonetheless intend to get benefit. So then it is permitted. What, of course, would have been the problem? The, the assumption is that the problem is that you cannot benefit 
for, right, that the Heichal is, is, is Kodesh, is uh, holy, and you can't benefit from something that's holy. It would be Me'ila. Rava says that's not a good proof because the Heichal, the sanctuary is really made for what's inside of it, not what's outside of it. Outside of it, it's really okay to get benefit from its shade. Now says Rava, how can I prove to you that in a situation where you have no choice, um, but you are nonetheless getting benefit and enjoying it, that it would not be acceptable? The Tanan, as we learn in the Mishnah Lulun, Hayu Psuchin Baleas Biskochakodashim, that there were skylights in the Kodash Akodashim. Shibohen Mishalshlin and Saumanim Betevos Kadeshloya Zunu Enaim Biskochakodashim. Isn't that crazy? Imagine you are, uh, you know, uh, a worker. Uh, I don't know, maybe you are, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what kind of special, specialty you do, but, but you're 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 in you're in construction, and you get a call that the kodesh hakodashim needs some uh, maintenance. So the way that you would get in there is that they would lower you into the kodesh hakodashim in a box, and you would basically just be able to see that which you need to see to do your work, but nothing else. So now here we have a situation of delo efshar ve'achad delo efshar. Here's a situation of, you know, we have to let this guy in because we need, there's maintenance that needs to be done. And we're concerned that if he's looking around the Kodash Kodashim while he's doing his work, well, um, he's going to be intending to get benefit, you know, by looking around. And therefore, we want to prevent that. And even though he had to be there anyways, we still wanted to prevent uh, him from looking around, therefore we see that it is forbidden, even in a situation where you kind of had to be there. Now the Gemara says, "Vitizbra is that really a good proof?" That sound and um, sights and smells are not subject to the laws of me'ila, of getting benefit from something that's that, 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 that's sacred. So, like, it's not, you know, there wouldn't be something strictly wrong with him looking around in the Kodesh HaKodeshim because sights, visions, do not constitute um, benefiting from that which is holy. So then, why wasn't he allowed to look around? Why did they lower him in a box? Because we wanted, we hold, it's the Kodesh Kodashim. We don't just want people going in and looking around. We want, it's a, it has a special status. And therefore, even though strictly speaking, um, a person could look around the Kodesh Kodashim, it wouldn't be considered Me'ila, but we treat the Kodesh Kodashim with particular, um, respect. And therefore, if somebody has to go in to do maintenance, we would lower him in a box and so that he could focus only on what he needs to focus on and nothing else. Ikadamri, that those who say, Amarava said, Rav How do I know that Lo Efshar Machavin is Asr? Domrib Shim and Pazi Amar Bishub and Levi Mishumba Kaparo. Kolumai Varech in Boen Mishum Meila, that sounds and visions and smells are not subject to the laws of Meila. Meila Hudaleka Ha Isura Ika. Now, they're not subject to the laws of Me'ila, 
but they are nonetheless also, right? You might not have to bring a korban me'ila for them, but you're still not allowed to, right? An ashram me'ilos, but you're still not allowed to um, smell and see and listen. So, my love. Uh-oh, my basketball friend is playing basketball. My love. And Mistame, it's talking about the people that are um, inside of the of 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 of, of the heichal, that they're not allowed to, you know, and that they have to be there anyways. They're there doing the avoda, they're doing the service in the base of Mikdash. So they are um so it's low F they have to be there anyways. And yet we're saying that even though they might not have to be in Asha Mi'ilas, but it's still gonna be not allowed. So we see Lo Efshar Mikhavin would be a problem. So so we say no, it's talking about the people standing outside. They are not allowed to um get benefit from 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 these things. And we're gonna see in a minute what exactly that 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 means in practice. But the Kohanim, you can argue that Lo Efshar um right, that they have to be there doing that voda anyways. And if they have intention to 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 benefit from the smells of the Ketoris or whatever it is. So that would be okay. So Gufa, we just said that sounds and visions and smells, there's no they are not subject to the Allahus of Me'ila, of getting benefit from the sacred. Is that really true? That smells are not subject to the halachas of me'ila. We learn in a brayta. If somebody is constructing the 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 um, incense, right? The ktoris was made up of, I believe, eleven ingredients, and it was a very special thing. And it says in the Torah that um, if anybody makes their own private ktoris, right? That if somebody makes his own ktoris because he enjoys the smell so much, he's going to get karis. Now, if somebody is putting together this Ketoris in order to learn how to do it, he's going to donate it to the public. To the public. So then Potter, so then, um, you know, he's not Chayv, um, he's not Chayv Karis if he smells the incense. But if he makes this incense so that he can smell it, well then he will be Chayv Karis. Potter. Now, somebody who smells the regular Ketores from the uh, Beis Hamikdash, so then he's not Chayiv Kares, but he's over on the on 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 Meila. Oh, so we had said that um, on smells there's no din of Meila, but now we're saying that if you smell the Ketores, so you might not be Chayiv Kares, but but you're over on 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 Meila. So Elo Amr Papa says a Papa Kulamaya. That sounds and visions are not subject to the halachas of mi'ila, the fish ain't ben mamish, because there's nothing physical about sounds and visions. Vireach, and when it comes to smell, lachashatayla tamuraso, tamruso, ain't bo mishum mi'ila, hovenaisis mitzvaso. Oh, very, very, very interesting. And when it comes to um, the, the kitoris, so once already it's been burnt and, and the mitzvah of, of, of burning the Ketoris is done. So whatever smell is now, um, you know, still lingering after that or whatever smell emerges from that, um, you would, you would not be 
violating Me'ilah because the mitzvah is already done. So as long as the mitzvah has not yet been done, you have to be concerned about Me'ilah and smelling the Ketoris. But once the Ketoris has been burned and the mitzvah has been done, so then you no longer have to be concerned about Me'ilah. So now the Gemara asks an interesting question. So does this mean that whenever you have a situation where the mitzvah has already been done, so then you no longer have to worry about Me'ilah? That's not a concern anymore. But what about Chuma Sadeshan? Who could tell me what Chuma Sadeshan is? Because I don't know. Chuma Sadeshan is, is um, every single day, they would take a little bit of the ashes from the, on top of the Mizbeach, and they would put it next to the Mizbeach. That was one of the um, things that they would do in the Beis HaMikdash every single day. So, now when it comes to Chuma Sadeshan, the nicest mitzvah, so that once already you put it next to the Mizbeach, the, the, um, or really, once already you, 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 you take a, 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 like a shovel full of ashes, so you've done the mitzvah of Chuma Sadeshan. And nonetheless, V'yesh ba me'ila. And nonetheless, you have to be concerned about me'ila, even though the mitzvah has already been done. Tichsev is the Pasuk says, V'samu yitzal mezbeach. That you'll take the ashes and you'll put it next to the mezbeach. Shalom. Now there's a different girsa here, which I'm going to read. Shalom yimalu ba'acherim. You put it next to the Mizbeach so that nobody else should get benefit from these ashes. Shehekulo eitzal Mizbeach, that it should also be ne- so that so that it should all be next to the Mizbeach, so that nobody should get benefit from it. So here we have a situation where the mitzvah has already been done. You've already taken these ashes, and yet we're concerned that people might get benefit from it. So the Gemara answers Mishum Davu Chuma Sadeshen Uvigdekuna Shneksuven Aboyin Keechod V'Chol Shneksuven Aboyin Keechod In Milamdin. Period. Oh. So the Gemara answers that Truma Sadeshen and Big Daikuna are Shneksuvan Abayin Kechad. What is Shneksuvan Abayin Kechad? What Shneksuvan Abayin Kechad is, is, um, what's it called when you, um, take something and apply it to something else? A Binyanav, I think is what that's called. But anyways, I don't want to get into the technicalities because, um, maybe I'm not right about it. But anyways, in general, the idea is, if you see something written in one context, so immediately we want to say, well, why don't we apply it to another context, which is exactly what we're doing over here, right? Meaning we're saying that uh, when it comes to the Ketores, once the mitzvah has already been done, the mitzvah has already been done, you can get benefit from it, you're not going to be over on Me'ila. Now, we're asking a question from Chuma Sadeshin, that Chuma Sadeshin, once the mitzvah has already been done, you're, you still have to be concerned about Me'ila, and therefore what we want to say is that, well, just like by Chuma Sadeshen, we have to be concerned that even once the, the mitzvah has been done, you still are not able to get benefit from it. So therefore, we naturally want to apply it to every case in the Torah, including Ketoras, and to say that who cares that the mitzvah has already been done. Just like by Chuma Sadeshen, once the mitzvah has already been done, we still have to be concerned about Me'ila. So also by all other mitzvahs, including Ketoras, even once the mitzvah has already been done, we still have to be concerned about Me'ila. So that would be what we want to do. However, there's something that's called Shneksuvan Abayin Ke'echad. And what that means is that, however, if there are two instances where we could show that once the mitzvah has already been done, you still have to be concerned about Me'ila, well then, what ends up happening is that we say, well that's weird. Why is the Torah specifying in only two cases that even once the mitzvah has already been done, you still have to be concerned about Me'ila? Why didn't it just say in one and then we would apply it to all? From the fact that it specifically specifies by two particular cases, two particular instances, 
that even once the mitzvah has already been, already been done, you still have to be concerned about me'ilah. That implies that it's only those two. But all the other cases, all the other instances, once the mitzvah has been done, you would not have to be concerned about me'ilah anymore. And therefore, if we could say that we have two instances, right, and we're saying here it's Chuma Sadeshan and also Big Day Kahuna, which we can explain in a second. Um, in those two cases, once the mitzvah has been done, you still have to be concerned about me'ilah. So it's only those two cases but nothing else, and that's why by Kitaris, once the mitzvah has been done, you can get benefit from the smell. So, so the Gemara says three lines before it gets wide. Because Chuma Sadeshin and Big Day Kehuna are two um, Sukim that have the same, you know, uh, particular rule taught by them. Whenever you have a situation where there is a particular rule that is written in only two contexts, well then, Ein Milam, then you cannot, um, you know, generalize that rule. So Chuma Sadashin is, 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 is what we said, that even once they separated these ashes, we still have to be concerned about Me'ila. Big Dekuhuna, Dikhsiv. And what's the case? What, what are these Big Dekuhuna that we're talking about? What are these garments of the, of the priests? So, as as the Pasuk says, that he will leave them there. Which teaches that we have to put them away, we have to like bury them. So, this is talking about the garments that the Kohen Gadol wore on uh, Yom Kippur when he went into the Kodesh HaKodashim to do the Avoda. So, he wore the, um, these white garments of the Kohen Hedjot he wore that when he went to do the avoda, and um, it, the pasuk says that once it says vini sham that he that will just leave them there uh, once he's done. And th- what we learn from there is that you have to discard them essentially; you have to bury them so that uh, because you're not allowed to use them anymore. So we see that once the mitzvah has been done with them, we still have to be concerned about meila. So since we have two cases, Chuma Sadeshin and Big Dekuna, where even once the mitzvah has been done, we're still concerned about Me'ila, so we could say it's only those two cases, but no other cases. What? No. So this works according to the rabbis who say that that's in fact what happened, that you're not allowed to do anything with these garments that the Kohen Gadol wore. You have to bury them. But what about according to Rabdosa who argues Va'amr and he says that actually you know he's not allowed to write Umay b'nicham sham so what does it mean that he leaves him there that he shouldn't use them on any other Yom Kippur but a Kohen Hedyot a regular Kohen is allowed to use these garments so in that case there's no issue of Mi'ila anymore and if that's the case well then we only have one example of when you know, once the mitzvah has been done, we still have to be concerned about me'ila. And that would be Chuma Sadeshin. And therefore, naturally, we're going to want to say, well, if, if it's if it's an issue by Chuma Sadeshin, that you can't get uh, benefit after the mitzvah has been done, we should apply it to all mitzvahs. So, Mishum da'avu Chuma Sadeshin ve'egla arufa so the Gemara answers, well, it's because Chuma Sadeshin and Egla Arufa um, are two, uh, by Egla Arufa as well, right? If you find a dead corpse in the middle of nowhere, so then 
you have to um, find the closest city. Then you take a calf that has never done any work or anything like that, and you throw it and and you um, and you kill it. So v'chol shnei ksuvin aban keechad emlamdin, and you can't learn it from out, out from shnei ksuvin aban keechad. Onichalaman do amar emlamdin. So period, fine. So therefore, uh, right? So by the by the egla arufa, you basically kill this uh, calf and then you just leave it there. You can't get any benefit from it. So we see even once the mitzvah has been done, you still can't get benefit. So we see that truma sedeshin and egla arufa Therefore, it's only in those two cases that once the mitzvah has been done, you are no, you are nonetheless not allowed to get any benefit from it. But um, no other cases, and therefore ktoris, you'd be allowed to get benefit from. After the mitzvah has been done with it, well, this works out if you say that shnei suvina ba'in keachod e milamdin. Milamdin, Michael Lemaymar. But if you are the if you are the opinion who says that who cares, you know, even if you have uh, um, you know two contexts where we see that um, once the mitzvah has been done, you still have to be concerned about meila. That doesn't mean that it's only limited to those two contexts. You could still generalize it. Well, if that's the case, then why aren't we generalizing it to Katoris? So, Well, nonetheless, Trumasadeshen and Egla Arufa are unique in that each one has their own Mi'ut. And it says, um, by Trumasadeshen, it says, Vesamo, that you will place it next to the Mizbeach. And by um, uh, Egla Arufa, it says, Ha'arufa, Right, this particular egla arufa. So, um, so, but to the exclusion of other cases. So, the, only these two cases. Once the mitzvah has been done, you are not allowed to get benefit from it. But that wouldn't apply to other cases. Tashma komenir ichnisa lirivka vidasha kshera bishvil shetinak vitidosh psula. This is talking about an egla arufa. So, when it comes to egla arufa, so. Uh, again, it's talking about we found a dead body in the middle of nowhere. We don't know who killed this person. And they find the closest city. They take out the elders of that city, take a calf. It's at the end of Parsis Mishpatim, I think. No, not Mishpatim, uh, Shoftim. And um, they kill the calf. They bring it down to Nachal Eisan, to barren place, and they kill the calf over there. Now, this calf that they bring has to be a calf. calf it says, right, what does the Pasuk say over there? It says, uh, a calf that never did any work. Okay, so now the question is, what's considered work? So, so if um, the owner of this calf brought this calf, uh, you know, put this calf together with some other calves who were threshing, Vidasha, and now he, he, he put this calf there only so that the calf can uh, nurse from its mother. And while it was nursing, it also did some threshing. So, kshera, that's, that's okay. You could still use it. It's still considered as if it didn't do any work. And you can use it as an egla arufa. Bishvil shatinak v'tidosh psula. But if he intended that he was going to feed two birds with one seed, that he was going to, uh, that, right, that this calf would um, nurse, but also um, do some threshing work, well, then it can no longer be used as an egla arufa. Oh, so going back to our original Shiloh. So here's a situation of Lo Efshar. He's got a nurse. And the guy, the owner, is intending for him to do work. 
Because Psula, we're saying that it's a problem that now the egla rufa is the, the egla the, this calf cannot be an egla rufa. So we see that lo efshe v'kamichavin is aser shiny awesome dichsev asher lo ubad ba mikol makom. says no, it's different, it's unique by egla rufa because it says asher lo ubad ba, which is passive, that like mamish no work has been done bichlal with this animal. Well, yach yafilu reishanami. Well, if that's the case, then then how come in the in the in the ratio in the first part of the of this uh, what was a Mishnah Brisa Brisa I guess we said that if that he put the calf together with the other ones uh, to nurse, but he didn't intend that the calf should work should thresh, then it's kshera. But if we're saying ubad ba reshalo ubad ba means any kind of work, well then even if it was unintentional, it should disqualify this calf. So halo dami elaleha oh. So the Gemara says that Egla Arufa is similar to the following. The following being Para Aduma. Para Aduma, uh, we make Xer Shava um, between Para Aduma and um, Egla Arufa, that they both need these calves that have never done any work. And we say by Para Aduma that Shachan Of Kshera, that if a bird uh, rests on the back of a Para Aduma, it's okay. If a bird kind of just lands on the back of a paraduma, it's not considered as though the uh, this calf, um, this animal, cow, did work um, by carrying this bird. But if a male uh, bull mounted this cow, well, then it can no longer be, it's no longer kosher paraduma. My time, how come? Amr Papa, so Papa says, you ready? So if the pot okay, so basically the pasuk in the context of Egla Rufa says Asherlo Ubadba, okay, that it wasn't worked, which is passive. Now, but it's written Asherlo Avadba, it's written Ayin Bez Dalit, but it's read Ayin Vav Bez Dalit. So it's read Avad, but no, it's written Avad, but it's read Ubad. So if it, so Papa says, look, if it would have been written as Avad and we would read it as Avad, so then Avid Be'ihu, then the owner himself would have to, like, you know, do, have this, intentionally have the calf do work in order for it to be considered work. And if it would have been written Ubad passive and we read it Ubad passive, so then, then it would basically include any kind, any forms of work, even like in the ratio of that brisa, where the animal was just nursing and then also threshed on its own. But now that it's written avad, but we read it ubad, well then it's shtikol uh, combination. So ubad dumya de avad. So now it's kind of passive work, but has some characteristics of Active work. What does that mean? Ma'ova denichale af uba denichale. So just like if a person would be proactive about this animal doing work, clearly it would be in his interest. So then even um, uh, passive work, it would have to be in his interest. And therefore, um, you know, uh, for example, by para aduma, so when this bird just lands on the back of the para aduma, like, I don't know, it's not in the interest of the owner, like it makes no difference to him. Um, however, if a bull mounts this para aduma, well then it is in his interest. They'll get little baby para adumas. 
So therefore, that would be a problem. Now, to bring it back to the Egla Arufa as well, so if he is putting this calf together with its mother so that it can thresh intentionally, so then um, it would it would be possible. But if it was he was just putting it, the calf there to nurse and it threshed on its own, so then it would be acceptable. And apparently, I don't know, there's some argument that the, I saw in the article on a note that maybe you can say that he Dafka doesn't want this um, calf to be threshing because it's like not good for the calf or something. I, I don't I don't really get it. But the point is that um, he would have to specifically have intention for this um, for this, or it would have to be in his interest for this work to be done. It says the Gemarek Tashma come in here Aveda. Oh, if you find a lost object. If you found a lost object, if you found like a lost sheet of sorts, don't spread it out on a bed, or not in some kind of a peg, you know, because you want that, because it's gonna, you need a sheet for your bed or something, don't do that. But you'd be allowed to spread it out if, if, if you need to use it to preserve the garment in some way. I'm sorry. But you would be allowed to um, spread it out on a bed or a peg um, if if it's in the interest of this garment to save this garment. This If guests came over, well then Well, if guests came over, do not use this sheet that you found. And spread it out on like a bed or a peg. And this is whether, um, you know, it's going to benefit the sheet to be spread out because otherwise it'll get ruined somehow. Or whether it's because you just want to impress your guests. Either way, it would not be allowed. Now, so here's a situation of low Efshar. Here's a situation of you had to spread out, you have to spread out this sheet because otherwise it's going to get ruined. Yet at the same time, you're intending to get benefit from it, you know, in front of your guests. And we're saying that it's not allowed. So there you go. is also. So the Gemara answers, shiny awesome, that actually it's different in that case, the Kalila, because it's not going to be good for the sheet to be spread out. Imishum enabisha, imishum ganove. Interesting. Either because some kind of ayin hara, I don't know, some kind of evil eye if, you, if you're if you going to put out this sheet that you found that belongs to somebody else. Or because you don't really necessarily know your guests that all that well. Maybe they're thieves and they might steal it. So so don't don't spread it out. But it's not necessary to teach that lo efshe v'kamichavein is aser. Tashma, come in here. This is a Gemara that we saw in Masech Shabbos. I think maybe even more than once. Mochreksus mochen kedarkan. That when it comes to kilayim, but not that kind of kilayim, not kilayakarim, that stuff's impossible. This is uh, just regular old kilayim, uh, wearing wool and linen together. So if you have somebody who's selling kilayim, selling garments of kilayim, so mochrin kidarkan, so you're allowed to wear them, you know, if you're a salesman and you're walking around town with all these garments to sell, so you can wear them, even if they're shotness. As long as in the Summer, 
you're, you do not have the intention of benefiting from the clothes to protect you from the sun. And in the winter, you have no intention of wearing the clothes to protect you from the rain. So then it would be acceptable you can wear this, these garments in the context of your work. Now the people who were, you know, wanted to be particularly careful nonetheless, so they would take the garments and rather than wearing them, they would kind of just throw them over their shoulder with some kind of a stick. So here we have a situation where it was Efsher, right? Even, even just a regular salesman, he could do like, like, um, like the Tznuin and he could avoid putting on the clothing. He could just put him on a stick behind his back. But as long as he's not intending to get benefit from them, as we said, as long as he doesn't intend in the winter to protect himself from the rain or in the summer to protect himself from the sun. So then he would be allowed to put on this clothing. So we have a situation of Efsher, and we're saying it's Mutter, just like Abaye had said, according to Reb Shimon, in the first way of understanding the Machlokas at the end of the day yesterday, that Reb Shimon would say, Davashenim is Kavin, is Mutter, Tiyuvta, Lamandamasni, Lishnakama, Durava, Tiyuvta. Therefore, it's a Kasha, according to the Manda Amr, who understood like the first way of understanding the Machlokas between Rabba and Abaye. Um, according to Rava's opinion, it would be a problem because Rava would say that Reb Shimon would not apply Davashenim is Kavin in that case. And he would say it's also, but here we seem to be saying, Saying that Efsher Viloka Michavin is mutter. Interesting. Vilo Yasigbo Vichule, finally, I think it's been a while. I think, you know, we're finally, finally getting back to our Mishnah. Uh, it's been like, what, five days or so? Um, now, our Mishnah said that once you're no longer allowed to eat chametz, so then you're not allowed to get benefit from chametz, and you're also not allowed to, to light your oven. Or stoves. Now the Gemara says, "Tanu Rabbanon." The Rabbis taught, "Tanu sheesiko beklipe orla or bekashin shekili akerim." If you have an oven that you um, fueled with the shells of orla, right? You have fruits within their first three years. Let's say you have pomegranates, and you take the rinds of the pomegranates and you use that to light your oven. Now we had said yesterday, or the day before, or maybe even the day before that. Or even the day before that, I can't remember exactly. But we had said that orla is asur ba'achila and asur ba'ano. So you would be unable to use it to light your oven. So obikashin shekili akerim. Or if you use these stalks of kili akerim, which we also learned is asur ba'achila and asur ba'ano. So chadash yutatz. So if it is a new oven, break it. Yashon yutzan. If it's an old oven, oh man, what is yutzan? I actually meant to look it up, but... Um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So I, I, I understood it to mean like sonain, like cold, like just let it cool down. Meaning if it's a, okay, if it's a new oven, okay, and the point being, if it's a new oven, and Kilu, the first time that you light the new oven, it really solidifies it and makes it, it's like the makibapatish, right? It really makes it, it's the, it finishes a, it finishes it as a proper oven. So if, so if the first time that you lit this oven, it was with this forbidden flame, well then, you touch, you have to break it. Yashan, but if it's a, um, old oven, so then, yutsan. I think what it means is that just, just let it cool down. Um, you know, cause you're not sort of completing the oven, you're not like, literally like, baking this isser, usser fire into the oven itself, 
right? Because that would only be by the first time. But if it's an older oven, so then um, you're not really like baking this isser via its flame into the oven. So then um, just let it cool down and then light it with proper flames. Okay, now what happens if you are baking a bread? So you have an oven, you slap some bread onto the side of the oven and you light a fire and it's a fire of Orla or Kileakarim. So Rebbe says you can't eat that bread because the bread is being baked with the heat of Kileakarim or Orla and it's going to be a problem. The Chacham say, Meh, it's okay, don't worry about it. We're not concerned that the orla is going to be transferred into the bread by its fire, you know. We're not concerned about that. Bishla agabikholim. If you I think it's like a bagel, I don't know, if you if you have these um or clipe orla and stuff and you burn them and now they become coals and then I guess you boil the dough in water on the coals, divyakol Mutter, everyone agrees that that would be acceptable because the 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 orla and kilei karim is not getting into the bread. Now, but we have another verse that says that if you light a fire with orla or kilei karim, whether the oven is new, whether the oven is old, just let it cool down. No big deal. You don't have to break it. Okay. So what do we do? On the one end, the ratio of the previous brisa said that. A new oven, you would have to break because you're clearly like breaking this isser into the, you're like baking this isser into the oven. Yet we have another brisa that says that even if the oven is new, don't worry, you don't have to break it. So, Lokasha, it's no problem. So, the Gemara wants to say, okay, it's no problem. The first opinion is that of Rebbe, right? Rebbe had said that if you're baking bread and you're using fire of Orla or Kileakarim, so then the bread is going to be no good because the isser got baked into the bread. So we'll say that he'll apply the same logic to the oven as well. That if it's the first time that you're lighting this oven, so then the isser is being baked into the oven and therefore you're going to have to break the oven. Whereas the second price is the chacham who said that even a, even, even a bread you, you would be able to eat and certainly the oven would be okay. Gemara is not so satisfied. Gemara says, I'm not convinced that this is Rebbe's opinion. I'm not convinced that Rebbe would say that a new oven would have to break. Because what we do know is that Rebbe says that if you bake a bread with a fire of Orla or Kileakarim, so then yeah, that, that Isra is going to be baked into the bread. But now, if you take away the bread, and you have a new oven, and you bake, you know, you burn it, you have a fire there, and it gets baked into the oven. Okay, so while Rebbe might say that the orla or the kilekerim is now baked into the oven, but what's the concern? You're, you're not going to eat the oven, meaning it, what, what's the problem going to be? The problem is going to be that, well, then you're going to take some dough, and you're going to slap it on the wall of the oven, then, you, you know, and the next time when you go to bake a bread, so you're going you're gonna to use mutter fire, sure, but the heat coming from the walls of the oven is going to be coming from an Osir oven. So, the Gemara says that Rebbe might not mind. Meaning, Rebbe was concerned when the heat was going directly into the bread that you're eating. But if the, you know, if this is already the second time that you're using the oven, and now the heat is going to be coming from, um, 
you know, this, this uh, fire and maybe also from the walls of the oven, you know, part, part of it, which is uh, mutter, part of it, which is also, Rebbe might not say that that's necessarily an issue. Therefore, you wouldn't have to break the oven. So, Elulokasha, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbanan, rather, um, it's Machlokas, Rabbi Eliezer, and Rabbanan, the, the, the first brisa, the ratio of the first brisa is Rabbi Eliezer, the second brisa is the Rabbanan, and we're going to hold it here. We will get to their opinions tomorrow. So, that was Davchav Vav Mesechta Psachim. So, you know, the, the main theme, I think, for most of the daf was, was, was that concept that we were discussing yesterday about lo Honestly, the only thing that was, you know, somewhat, um, uh, um, you know, affirmative or whatever, or, or uh, clear, was that we had a kasha based on the mochre ksus, based on the people who sell kilayim, that they were able to, um, and that, right, right, that they were allowed to wear the kilayim, even though they technically could have put it behind their shoulders, and that was efsher velokamichavin, and smutter, like Abai explains Rib Shimon, not like Rava according to Rib Shimon. Then we got into this machlokas about when you have a, an oven and you burned, you used a fire of Orla in order to bake a bread. So machlokas Rebbe and Chachamim. Rebbe says that the bread will be a problem because you baked it with a fire of Orla. The Chachamim say that don't worry, you can eat the bread. And we're trying to figure out who exactly would be the author who says that if you have a new oven and the first time you heated it up, it was with the fire of Orla or Kileakarim, you'd have to break the oven. And we initially wanted to say that it's Rebbe, but we said that maybe not, and maybe it's Rebbe the Ezer. We'll, we'll get to that tomorrow. Chebe, peace out.